from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Welcome to PQ Beat. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. The arts community in Parksville Qualicum Beach remains a vibrant one. Here to talk about that scene, we welcome back the executive director of the Old Schoolhouse Arts Center in Qualicum Beach. Thanks for joining us, Alana Hester. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Could you sum up 2021 from both a Tosh perspective and a personal one? 2021 was pretty interesting for everybody in the midst of a global pandemic. Uh, The first part of 2021, we were still closed, um, and then we were able to open midway through. And once we were open, things were really rolling. We have a really supportive community here in Qualcomm Beach, and we did exhibitions throughout the closing. So we just did them online. We transferred a lot of things digitally. Um, And then we had a lot of success through our exhibitions, and the resident artists were back in the building. Our gift shop has a lot of updates and It was quite a busy year for us, despite all of the various flexibility we needed to have during all sorts of different health uh, regulations and not. We weren't able to have our music program in the building, so we conducted uh, concerts at the local community hall. Um, We're really excited that 2022, this year, we can have the music back in the building, so it's at reduced capacity, but the music's back. And yeah, we continue. I mean, I think that um, a really important part of 2021 was really embracing our digital toolkits. I think that we met with people all over the province, whereas before we would just have met people locally. And we have a much wider audience for what we do. And then also just being resilient. And what did that mean for people? I think that everyone approached it a different way. And You know, here at Tosh, we really took it as a glass half full and what can we do with this and how can we explore these new mediums and how can we continue to reach the people who need to be reached. I'm definitely personally an optimist. And so I always try and see the good in things and it gave us the opportunity to digitize. It let us give access to communities that wouldn't normally have had access. People who were, you know, bedridden or stuck in their homes or not able to come see work. And so it added a really interesting layer to our community that um, really opened it up and started to address things that maybe wouldn't have been addressed if, if the pandemic hadn't happened. So for all arts organizations, financially, it's been a hurdle and a burden. And I think we've seen that with the closure of so many lauded and very old arts institutions that just didn't have the financial capacity to make it through the pandemic that burden continues. And I think that, you know, provincially the funders are starting to look at that, but I also think that locally now there's never a better time to give to your local arts institutions as now. It's been a year of real financial loss for a lot of organizations and and Tosh included. There's a really interesting scarcity mentality in the art funding world and in nonprofit business where we say, oh, you know, if you have any money saved, maybe you aren't deserving of funds, but there are very few funds that pay for operations and to keep the lights on. There's a lot of funds that will pay for programs, 
but there's very few that will pay to just keep a business running. I think that we definitely saw that during the pandemic with so many things shutting down. Along those lines, your reaction to the announcement that the Bard to Broadway Theatre Society has brought down its final curtain after having provided PQB audiences top quality shows for more than two decades. Exactly. I mean, that's a perfect example of this of this paradigm, right? It's not how well you do something and how well your community loves you. It's really sometimes about finances and about managing those finances. So these are tough times for a lot of arts organizations. And it's really, if, if you love it, give them money now, you know. Uh, we will probably be engaging in a, in a capital campaign this year to reach out to the community for that sort of funds. And in the meantime, I think I've applied for four grants now and I'm writing another three. So we definitely are trying to leverage um, all sorts of different programs and ideas that we have uh, to also serve our community and continue to be here for a a long time. How important is a vibrant art scene to any community? That I think was a big highlight of the pandemic and still remains a big highlight. You know, like our arts institutions are hospitals for the soul, as one really prominent funder has said. I mean, art is the softest place to have hard conversations. And I think that that remains true now. You know, people reflect on music and things that lift them up and artwork and art art sales have been really significant. I think people were in their homes for a long time and people aren't traveling. So they're looking at the same walls, realizing they want to switch things up and what makes them happy. And, um, you know, our arts and culture is a very important piece of our well-being. And I think that it's finally getting that sort of recognition that it deserves. And there's a lot of studies that are going on now to gather data to actually prove those sorts of things, which I think is an interesting time now that we're in this mix of, of what the next uh, digital toolkits can give us and, and sort of Web 3.0 and how that interacts with our daily lives. What's been the biggest change and what are you most proud of having accomplished so far in your time with Tosh? Well, I, I got here in just six months before the pandemic hit. This institution was completely on paper. So that shift to a digital engagement and to having everything digitized was significant for us. You know, we, we did it quite timely. And now every program is accessible online. You can buy everything online. You can purchase all of our music tickets and our our classes and workshops, as well as everything from the gift shop. So that was a really big hurdle for us. And now we're more into, um, you know, what does programming look like for us as we start to continue this sort of shift of of what we see uh, are the fundamentals of Tosh, you know, community, creativity, connection, and education really starting to now like shift our programming to include everyone. We were really good at serving our elderly population and we still are. And we really honor and respect our our elders and, and love their contribution. Now I'm also having high school students come through the exhibitions and we have um, spring break classes coming up. We have three super fun spring break camps and uh, we will also be doing Saturday programming. So we have Saturday classes for teens and we have Saturday classes for kids. And we're also planning a lot more camps and other events to come to in the summer for kids and youth. And I think that that adds just like another layer to our programming, which is really exciting. We also have in May and June, we will be having a student exhibition. So I have put out the call. It's on our website as well for any students age three to 23 to submit to our student exhibition. And the theme for that, that call is nature. 
So asking people to really reflect on what that feels like for them. We're partnering with Rec Connect for that one through the RDN. And we've done a really amazing watercolor butterfly project. So we still have some watercolor butterflies if people want to paint them just to be in touch with us. So yeah, like 2022 is shaping up to be quite a vibrant. And and a lot of that was due to the work that was done in 2021. The other really exciting piece that we did in 2021 was we really engaged in a lot of digital strategy for the entire island ecosystem through the digital innovation group or digarts.ca. We did a massive impact assessment of the arts on Vancouver Island that was published in November and the results are at that website. But basically we found that 35,000 people are artists on Vancouver Island and that it's a $910 million industry. That's a very significant untapped resource on our island. And subsequent to that, what has happened is that we are also starting to break down silos between industries. So we're starting to partner with Tourism Vancouver Island and economic development. And um, the flexibility that we were offered gave us the opportunity to connect with all of the 25 island arts councils on Vancouver Island and beyond. So we work with RSBC and the Rural Inclusion Network and all sorts of people all over Canada who are engaged in this work for the arts. So that is just super exciting, I think, to see that sort of art ecosystem start to change here. So that's an exciting thing that's happening for 2022. We're continuing that work under the title of Creative Coast. So it's www.creativecoast.ca. And that's where we're housing all of our labs and different sort of strategies that we're using to be a little bit more connected within the region. From hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels, westcoasttraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Those are some amazing numbers, 35,000 artists. How difficult is it and what is the process behind uh, the exhibits that are currently showing at Tosh and how do you choose the ones that are set to come? We do have an open call. Normally, COVID really slowed that down. We do an exhibition every two months. So in April, I'll be publishing the call for 2023. I curate the exhibition. So once the call has gone out, I look at all the applications and I select them. I really select them based with a very specific curatorial eye, but also to really start to give people a, a different sense of what art can be. So we try and be really flexible in our thinking and our openness about what art is, who hasn't had a, a chance to have an exhibition here, who need a leg up. Um, there's all sorts of decision-making that goes into exhibitions. I do also try to keep an educational theme throughout. So, um, you know, what will the community learn from this exhibition and what impact will this exhibition have? In March, we're opening a Qualcomm First Nations exhibition with several Qualcomm First Nations artists, so some carvers and some painters, all different mediums of art. So that will go on for two months. And I think that's like really an important thing to start to highlight in our area too, that uh, there are a lot of inequities in our systems and, and how do we sort of break those down. So giving access to students and giving access to BIPOC and giving access to all sorts of different groups that are here and that maybe haven't had a voice. We also are doing some really neat exhibitions in the summer, a really interesting photography exhibition. We have an an active working darkroom here at Tosh. 
which is they process photos in the old format here, which is really gaining traction. There's not very many open dark rooms on the island to use. So we have that here. And then we also are partnering with the SFU Data Visualization Lab to the community. So to educate them on what data is, to take a look at data, what does data look like? I think that that's a really empowering project that we're working on. We learn how to read and write. We learn math. But in this modern world, we are just expected to know how to read data and how to analyze it and how to think about it. We actually haven't been trained in how to do that. And I think that that's another piece of this misinformation problems that we have going on right now, that there is a propagation of misinformation throughout media and data that is used and collected in various ways. And I don't think that we're informed about it because we just don't know how to be informed about it. That exhibition hopefully will start to illuminate people to their own data. How do you use it? How does it impact you? How is it used in your daily life? I think are really interesting things to start to learn about. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry, content you can trust from Black Press Media. Now, you mentioned photography. Uh, recently, Qualicum Beach announced winners in their Our Town Photography Contest, and it was you who reached out and had offered exhibition space in order to help celebrate and highlight the creativity within the town. How do you think the contest went? The f- photography exhibition went well. I mean, they had a lot of submissions. We didn't run the process. They did. But it was nice to be able to see people reflect on what they love about the area and their favorite snapshots and and you know it's it's fun to just see those on the wall especially in in a rural place i mean we don't live in a city for a reason right obviously the effects of the covid-19 pandemic are far reaching how has it altered your approach and how do you think it still might affect your plans moving forward I mean, we've always programmed very prudently and conservatively in that sense. I mean, we shut down when we didn't necessarily have to, to take enough time to be thoughtful about how to manage things. Even our music program currently, we only book it at 50%. So we were able to go forward with it. You know, I think that this pandemic is not going to go away tomorrow. And so we have to think about smart ways to move around it. I do think that things like the vaccine passports and masks and everything else are necessary to be able to convene and to keep doing our programming. So we just keep going and keep thinking flexibly. And I certainly know how to refund things and how to reschedule things. And it's great that our systems are all digital. So those are sort of more seamless than they used to be in the past. And I also think it's it's about having a certain level of transparency about what you're doing and what your expectations are for your community to gather, which we do. And other than that, we just stay flexible and stay thinking about it. And, And in the meantime, we do still do our exhibitions online, but that has actually been incredibly empowering conversations because We've had people zoom in from Germany and as far as Auckland, you know, suddenly we have an international community for our openings that maybe were just local before. So I really think that that's kind of still exciting to be able to provide access and to connect across far distances, even though we're a locally and regionally mandated organization. So if someone wants to get involved or get more information on Tosh, what's the best way to go about that? Probably to look up our website, www.theoldschoolhouse.org. And send us an email. There's all sorts of information on there. They can also come in person. We're open here Tuesday to Saturday, 10 to 4. We're also available on social media. There's so many ways to connect. We have a phone too. It's fantastic. You can just call us and talk to a real person. I think it's a wonderful thing in this day and age, you know. 
being flexible is really the key to resilience. And that's actually the title of the exhibition we have on right now. The membership show is, is about resilience and everyone re submitted works, 36 artists submitted works uh, that reflect on that. What does it mean to be resilient in these times? And um, I think at first people really thought it meant being strong and kind of hard-lined about what you do. And I think as the time has gone on, people realize that it's more about being authentic and vulnerable and flexible and open and all of these softer sides of, of resiliency. So it's, an, it's a nice exhibition. It's really great to hear people reflect on that. Elena, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals.